Welcome to this podcast brought to you by Agriculture Victoria and Mallee Sustainable Farming through funding from the Victorian Government's 2019-20 Drought Support Package. Cutting for hay. There are almost as many reasons for doing it as there are for things to consider if you do do it. To talk through many of these, I was recently joined in the AgVic studio by Regional Manager Grain Southwest, Tony Fay. And we started with some of the reasons for doing it in the first place. Probably the most important reason is it helps to fill feed gaps, particularly at times when you might have uh, adverse seasonal conditions and pasture production starts to decline. But there's also the potential for it to be a source of income. And you only have to look at recent market prices where we've seen record prices for hay across eastern Australia, bearing in mind that the market can change rapidly. There's also the option for farmers to salvage a crop and make hay in years when there might be frosts or a dry finish and crops are running out of moisture. And there are additional benefits from hay that farmers often look at. For instance, the management of herbicide-resistant weeds, if the hay cutting is done at the right time. There's advantages in stubble management, particularly when you've had a lot of growth in in a year and you want to be sure that in the next year you'll be able to sow into the stubble effectively. And there are additional minor benefits, such as the retention of soil moisture from spring rain, which will be higher in a hay crop because it's harvested earlier than a grain crop taken from the same paddock. What then do you need to think about, Tony, if you decide to cut a crop? As with everything, Drew, it's good to start thinking early. In fact, I think it's important that farmers start thinking right at the beginning of the year and imagine what they might be choosing between because often the decisions are made at the last minute in a hurry and you don't always have time to do all of the calculations to compare the the costs and benefits thoroughly and make the most informed decision. The first decision most often is, is there enough dry matter to actually make hay because in very dry springs, our grain crops may not actually have enough material to make much hay. And there there may also be risks if you do cut the crop of reducing ground cover to a point that the soil is exposed. So the first thing is check to see how much dry matter, and we we talk about dry matter because hay is in a sense a, a dry matter product, There's some simple ways to calculate that. I use a a method where you cut a square metre of crop, you dry it down, you then calculate how much in tonnes to the hectare of dry matter you have, you make some allowance for losses through the haymaking process, then you calculate, looking at market prices, what it's potentially worth. There's some calculators that are on various websites uh, that are useful I think it's important if you're doing any sort of monitoring to calculate potential hay yields that you do it across a paddock. But a decision like this shouldn't just be done with a quick sampling. You need to look at several parts of the paddock. And and one of the things when you're doing the sampling is remember to to actually cut the crop at the height that you will be uh, mowing it, not at ground level. Then you do need to look at markets because if you're planning to sell hay, then you need to be sure that there is a market for it. In the best scenarios, you may have a buyer ready before you decide to cut the hay. But if not, there's good sources of information on the Dairy Australia website. They provide a regular 
Hay report and there are other reliable updates in some of the rural press or talk to your agronomist. So, Tony, you're weighing up the markets. There must be other things you've got to consider as well. You know, can you hold on to it if you can't sell it? Yes, that's true. If you are planning to hold on to it and you're planning to make the hay yourself, there's some fundamental things to think about. Firstly, the curing process is all important. If you're making hay in a hurry, if it's a wet spring and the, the crop is starting to decline because, for instance, it's been frosted, then a mower conditioner is really useful because it'll help to dry the hay down quickly so that you can get it into the bale before it loses quality and quantity due to bad weather. That's one of the first steps in the actual haymaking process. Baling is obviously critical, and here the potential risks are that the hay is, is either baled too soon or too late. As with everything, it's always good to do a few test bales if you're not sure and check those out. If they're too light, the hay's obviously too dry. If they're very firm and they seem to still have moisture visible or when you actually scratch on the the stems of the straw, there'll be moisture released, then the hay needs to dry down further. A key thing with baling is that the bigger the bale, the drier the hay needs to be for optimal baling time. Generally, with large square bales, we recommend around 15%. Large round bales can be baled at a slightly higher moisture level, and small squares, which aren't nearly as common these days, can be baled at a higher moisture level again. It's important to bale at the right moisture level, and devices such as digital moisture meters are really useful, or using the advice of an experienced hay contractor. There's also the considerations about logistics if you haven't got the storage. If, for instance, you're baling straw from a crop that's been harvested, then uh, the quality will not be maintained if there's rain and it's out in the open. So it pays to think beforehand about are you likely to have to hang on to the hay? And if so, can you store it? Tony, are there any particular considerations when a crop is either frosted or haying off? Yes, there are, Drew. If a crop's frosted, and particularly if it's frosted early, say at uh, stem elongation, when we get severe frost, say in August, there's a likelihood that it will degrade very quickly and quality will decline to a point where it won't be worth making into hay. So it's important you understand that in those situations, if you can't act quickly, it may be better to leave the crop to either harvest. There's a chance that if you get follow-up rains, that the crop will uh, reshoot and produce additional tillers if it's early enough, or it may be an option to graze the crop later on. If the crop is haying off, if it's running out of soil moisture or there hasn't been much rain in spring, it's possible that it won't yield enough for either hay or grain. And in that case, it's important that you maintain ground cover. And while you're doing that, think about how much of that ground cover is anchored. Now, normally with a grain crop that's grown well, we tend to estimate that, say, a two-tonne to the hectare wheat crop could yield four to five tonnes of hay. But when we get very dry finishes, the crops are very short, and that uh, ratio may be as little as one to one. You may only get uh, roughly the same amount of hay by the time you make the hay, and uh, there are losses from leaf material and and stem material that's too dry 
you end up with not much more than a ton to the hectare of hay. So in those cases, grazing or else just maintaining ground cover may be the better option. There's also the need to look at markets carefully in dry years because if there's a large area affected by low rainfall, then there might be a lot of hay on the market and there may not be a lot of buyers for that hay. Tony, what about some other considerations? What about guaranteeing the quality of the hay that you're providing? Are there other considerations a producer needs to take into account when selling hay? One of the things you need to think about is there could be a request for a vendor declaration from the purchaser in which you'll have to put details of chemicals that are used, any weed seeds. It's good to have a a test for quality, which you can provide as part of that. You also need to think about chemical residues and withholding periods, which apply up until the crop is cut. In some cases, the crop may have been treated with chemicals, which that crop cannot then be used to feed out. So check the labels carefully. It's useful to understand if you haven't got a feed test that there can be considerable variation in hay. So if you're feeding your own stock, you need to be careful if the hay isn't tested when you make calculations on how much to feed. Just as an example of that, Drew, the recent summary of the last 12 months samples that feed test has received at their Werribee laboratories, they state that the range in crude protein for wheat hay was from 1.2 to 22% crude protein and the metabolizable energy, so that's the how much of the feed can an animal convert into energy, range from 4.7 to 12. So that tells us there's, there's an enormous range in the hay that's tested and if you, if you make assumptions without testing, you could run into trouble. They're huge variations, Tony, and obviously big impact on your bottom line and bang for buck in terms of what you're getting. Tony, are there any other things to be careful about? There are a couple more, Drew. Firstly, if you're feeding hay made from canola, which increasingly we've seen in recent years, you need to be careful about high nitrate levels, which can occur. So just feed the hay out very carefully to start with and observe the effect on your stock and listen to your advisors and others for any reports of canola hay having high nitrate levels. We also need to consider the nutrient losses from hay because we're taking a large volume of material out of a paddock. We can at that same time be taking out large quantities of phosphorus, sulfur and particularly potassium. So it's a good idea to soil test if you've produced hay. We also need to think about the risk of spontaneous combustion if you're putting hay in a stack. And for that reason, farmers should monitor their stacks for the smell of tobacco or slumping bales. We now have digital hay moisture meters, which I think are a really good investment because they can really give you a warning if the hay is heating up, in which case you need to start thinking about pulling the stack apart and allowing the hay to dry out. Tony, any key take-home messages? Yes, Drew, I think firstly that hay can be very profitable and also a very useful part of a rotation. It can be an alternative income source and it can be really helpful in difficult seasons when frost or dry finishes affect crops. Be aware that the quality can vary enormously, which is a good reason for testing and keeping an eye on markets. Remember to Take note of 
chemical withholding periods. If you plan to sell hay on the market, remember that those markets can be quite volatile. We've had very high prices in recent years, but we do know that the prices go up and down and can change quite quickly. And finally, there are some really useful decision tools to help farmers make decisions around hay and choosing whether to make hay versus harvest a crop for grain versus graze that crop. There's some simple calculators on the Agriculture Victoria website. There are also similar tools on GRDC's website and other state government department websites. Tony Fay, Regional Manager for Grain Southwest, thank you for joining me in the Ag Vic studio. Thank you, Drew. The information provided in this podcast is of a general nature and may not be wholly appropriate for your purposes or situation. We recommend that you seek appropriate professional advice before implementing actions based on information provided in this podcast.